Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea, the Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Now, one of the first texts we got is a four-word text, and it says, Irving makes me sick, which kind of hurts my feelings, but I'll accept that as fair criticism. The other one is a little more expansive. It says, just want to say... There was a lot of great CFL games this past week. It speaks to the parity in this league. It seems the special teams played a huge role in all the games, and I'd say that's fair. But I want to start on this note with Michael Shea, and this, there's a text on this, and uh, I've had a lot of emails about it. Could the coach have challenged the spot on the third down where Toronto's quarterback fumbled, and then the refs advanced the ball on the fumble, which isn't allowed, is it? It looked like the ref spotted the ball too far upfield, which would have resulted in a turnover on downs. This was five and a half minutes left, Mike, um, when uh, the quarterback for the Argos did fumble the ball on third and one and appeared to get a generous spot and then a real quick measurement that gave him a first down. Give us your sort of view of what happened there. Uh Ball was fumbled at the snap, <clears throat> fumbled forward slightly, offensive lineman down in the bottom of the pile, reaches back, grabs it, pulls the ball up to his chest, and that's where they spot it. Um, yeah, I do think the spot was... Uh, generous? Generous. Um, the measurement, I, I can't say, besides being quick, I can't say that I have a problem with the measurement. A lot of the camera angles aren't straight on. They're at a bit of a, a slight angle, so um, hard to tell, but it looked like they got it by an inch. I just, once again, I think the spot was, uh, like you said, generous. Um, with regards to challenging it, uh, you know, what we were told as coaches, uh, as per the CFL um, and the command center, was um, clear and obvious at full speed, at regular speed, and... Uh, challenging a third down spot in a pile is never going to be clear and obvious, and they're never going to see it the first time. I know I've watched it. I had to watch it several times to really understand what exactly went on under the pile. Mm -hmm. But there's no real sight of the ball, so uh, I would have lost that challenge. Um, And, I, you know, honestly, you're hard-pressed to ever challenge a third down spot on short yardage because of just the number of bodies and the fact that you can't actually see the ball. So your comments on our post-game show were that you just didn't play well enough and we could point to any number of plays that would have made the difference, any any number of single plays, but you're, you're, is your feeling still that you just you guys just didn't play well enough? No, we didn't. And, and we could have been one play better, won the game, uh, you know, escaped Toronto with a, with a win and still had as many... <laughs> uh, we would have had one less mistake to correct, and that's all it would have been because it would have still would have been a, a, not a great uh, game technically. Um, you know, I don't fault anybody's effort uh, by any means, but, you know, our execution and our the amount of mental mistakes we made was too much to overcome. Richie Hall said the other day that you made 43 mistakes on defense, and he said that's roughly twice what an average or normal game would bring. Does that sound about right to you? Oh, yeah, those are the numbers. Yeah. I mean, they, we check every play. Yeah. Um, I don't mean, does it sound right? I don't mean you to question Richie Hall, but you do keep specific track of all that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a grading process that goes on after every every game. That sounds like a lot, though, 43. Wow. 
And that's now what are what are we talking about mistakes? What does that mean? Uh, any number of things from something uh, as obvious as a blown coverage where a guy's running scot free to uh, a wrong gap on a on a on a run fit up front, um, a wrong alignment, uh, missed tackle. Uh, missed tackles are separate. That did include missed tackles. We had uh, I think mm. sixteen of those. <laughs> so that's a it's a bad day. And how do you account for that? Is and I know you you rack your brain trying to figure these things out as a player. You know all about this stuff. How, how does as a coach, when you sit back and say, "Why did that happen? Why did that happen?" Yeah, that's that's that never that sixty four million dollar question. Oh, well, it's probably worth a lot more now. <laughs> <laughs> But so you're up 20 to nothing. Okay, here's the theory a lot of people have. You're up 20 to nothing. Could have been 27 or 23. Um, and, and then the guys just, for whatever reason, lose some focus and concentration. Do you, you buy into that? I think that's part of it, but I don't think that lasts a whole half. Uh, you know, I think we, we gave up 10 points at the end of the, at the, end of the first half, and, and they came out with momentum and... And we didn't do enough to stop them. Um, knowing full well that they had momentum going into the half, we still had a 10-point lead and, and could come out and handle our business. And, um, you know, we we take a, a seven-point lead. Well, they tie it up 20-20. Then we take a seven-point lead, and then it's a six-point lead with a, with a punt single. And sure enough, the last nine, nine-and-a-half minutes, we just didn't make enough plays to get off the field and certainly – didn't make enough place to stay on the field. So um, any any one of those things, just one more first down, one more tackle to stop a first down, whatever those things are, a couple more yards here or there, a tackle inbounds rather than out of bounds, um, a, a block, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, pick up a, we pick up a stunt better or we – you know, sustain a block on a special team just for a little bit longer and they and you change the outcome of the game. But once again, that's that's only going to make us feel good for, you know, a little bit. There'd still be a lot of guys that would leave that game even though we even if we had won, that would leave that game having a tough sleep because they would have known how <laughs> you know, many mistakes were made. Chris Rainey hurt you with some returns, and he's done this not just to you guys, but to all teams over the year. I know you have great respect for him. He seemed, Ed Ed Tate and I uh, called the game on CGOB, and we thought he was running with a particular amount of drive and purpose. Not that he doesn't always, but he just looked maybe a little more amped up. I don't know how you saw that, but he was really good. Yeah, he is good. Uh, He is good. We had had some opportunities to bring him down, um, especially on that long one, and, and we didn't. Uh, get him as soon as we should have. I mean, tremendous effort by Derek Jones and Kerfal Exume to to chase him down and give our defense a chance. Uh, then, then you know, we we managed to stop them and then take a penalty and give them a fresh set and mm-hmm. uh, drop a coverage and could get lined up and just a, a, a you know not a good enough way to reward such a great effort to bring a guy down. Okay, we'll get to the phone calls in a minute, but one more text question before we break. Why didn't Matt Nichols throw uh, many intermediate or longer passes? Toronto seemed to take away the short stuff. 
Well, let's not say it wasn't called. There's some opportunities out there, and and um, when some of those plays are called, you can see them about to work, and then maybe it could be a protection or it could be a uh, a mistake in a route, um, you know, that takes those things away. So uh, we we know there were some opportunities out there, and we couldn't capitalize on them. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, let's go to the phone calls on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea, brought to you in part by Bear Crop Science, Science for a Better Life. John, go ahead. You're on with the coach. Uh, must have been a Ryder fan that sent that text in about you, Bob. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Listen, you covered most of my question uh, about the, the third down gamble. I, I do want to know why the coach didn't take a timeout sometime in the last two minutes or three minutes or even the last play of the game because his team was reeling and they obviously needed a reset. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have a challenge and a timeout and you're – I understand that you're not trying to save it for anything, but just the way the game unfolded, it, it, it wasn't going to be like that. You know, we, we have that last – uh, drive. We run the ball with Andrew, and then we throw a seven-yard pass to get the first down, which we'd completed during the game earlier. So, um, you know, just believe we're going to end up winning the game. I think we all believe that. But, uh, I, Coach, don't get me wrong. I love what, I love what you're doing with the team, but I, I really thought uh, a timeout, any even the last play with ten seconds left, would have would have helped uh, helped your team there. You're talking, John, before the Argos scored the winning touchdown? Yes, uh, exactly. The the ball went out of bounds. The clock has stopped, so it's not like you're giving them an advantage. And I I thought uh, the Bombers needed a timeout for the reset much more than Toronto did. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. One one last question. Uh, With Jeff Code out and being replaced by a Canadian, uh, What's our ratio going to be? Are we bringing another American DB back in, or what's happening there? Yeah, we'll figure it all out tomorrow, which is the day we will release our, our roster. But uh, once again, lots of, lots of options. Uh, very happy with the depth as usual. Good. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Thanks, John. So Mercy Maston, a defensive back, played two years last two years in Edmonton. You signed him this week, Mike, and he's been at practice all week. Does, is he a possibility to go on Thursday against Calgary? Uh, they're all possibilities. You know, he's... Is he uh, likely? Is he a high probability? Um, he's certainly more of a probability than than putting a guy on who's never played because he's he's got experience. But uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, he's he certainly... We liked what we saw from him when he was in Edmonton and and he's uh, he certainly got to get in a little bit better shape. Kelly, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, I just wanted to make a comment. When was the decision made not to fly back to Winnipeg after the Hamilton game? And do you think this affected the team's concentration in the loss? And uh, wasn't there enough time between the Hamilton and Toronto game? Yeah, the decision to stay out east was made six or seven months ago. Um, you know, when we when the schedule is first made, we go through it and we immediately plan all our all our weeks of work. We plan all our travel. You got to plan that far ahead to 
you know, you'd, you'd hate to be trying to get flights. If we fly commercially, you'd hate to be trying to get flights the week before. So everything's everything's planned out very rigorously, well in advance. Um, I thought this was a good opportunity on a six-day week. If you take those extra flights, uh, you know, they just take take their toll. You end up losing basically two days of work. So, you know, when you're planning six months out, you'd never you'd never want to do that. Never want to plan a week where you're really only going to get a couple days uh, to prepare for an opponent. So, and uh, you know, we've done this not with the bombers, with me here, but we've done this before on other teams I've been on as a player and a coach. Um, and and other teams do that. Uh, teams further west from us when they go east will do that, and teams from the east will do that when they come west. But. It's uh, on short weeks, you're trying to minimize the toll that travel takes on, on our guys. Okay, Kelly? There, was, was there enough time between the Hamilton game and the Toronto game? Uh, this, yeah, that's what I just said. We're on a short week. We're on six days between, so we weren't going to fly out. You can't fly out of Hamilton uh, that night, so you have to wait till the next day, and then that day's a write-off in terms of the players doing anything. Uh, then you're back to work, and then you're flying back into Toronto again, which is, you know, re- really inefficient to tell you the truth. Getting through that airport and and getting transportation to and from um, is adds a tremendous amount of inefficiency to to the player's day, and so we're going to try and plan um, as far in advance as we possibly can the most efficient ways to have our players work in a week um, because efficiency is certainly uh, you know it helps them manage the 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 tolls that playing a long season takes on them right so Kelly I think we're going to leave that one there I, I think Mike what he's getting at is do you feel that that decision had anything to do with the loss in Toronto no I wouldn't say that Todd you're on the coach show with Mike O'Shea go ahead Todd uh, uh, with all due respect, Coach, you know, I keep hearing about oven mitts in practice and missed tackles and missed blocks and Nichols can't pull it. You know what, Coach, with all due respect, Coach, this one's on the coaching staff. You know, Coach, you know, I don't know what this decision-making is all about, whether it's ego or what, but this this, this running the ball in, instead of the throw, this throwing the ball instead of the run, this, this challenging the, the play when you shouldn't. Whoever's in your ear is wrong. It's all on the players all the time. No. This is the coaches. It's not the first time we've lost the game because of the coaching staff. And I want to know, you know what it's like? It's like when you're writing your grade 12 exam and you know the, the answer is number A. And someone talks in your ear and then you circle D and you get the whole thing wrong. So with all due respect, coach, this is on the coaches and the management and the ownership. because It's a broken record. Thank you, Bob. Doing a great job. All right, Todd. We'll let uh, Mike respond to that. I don't know what to respond. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're listening to somebody during an exam, that'd be cheating. Okay, Bob, you're on the coaches show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Bob. Okay, I I think it is partly on the coaches to the extent, Coach, you are a stubborn mule. You continually will not replace Nichols. If in the fourth quarter, when he was doing poorly, you've got a horse who's sitting there by the name of Strebler, who is a great runner, Nichols seems to be afraid to run now since he uh, he got hurt. And uh, just to switch that up would be good. That's point one. Point two, what are we going to do with Mr. Harris? Uh, 
I'm sorry, Bob, but he has fumbled at least four times this year in key spots. And had he not fumbled there in the end of the uh, first half, we would have had at least three, if not seven. Are you are you uh, insisting on Mr. Harris protecting the ball quite a bit more? Well, I'll let the coach speak to that. You know what? We're going to have to break for for uh, news update here, Bob. Um, but I'll have Mike answer both those questions when we come back. Okay. Okay. All right. Appreciate the call. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, let's get back to the question that Bob asked before we took the break, and we'll start with, and I'll follow it up with a text, because it's basically the same question. Uh, Did you ever think of putting in Strevler when all we needed was a first down? Uh, I think Strev would have run for a first down on one of those handoffs to Harris. So, Mike, we'll pick it up there, and then we'll talk about uh, Andrew Harris's fumbling. No, I wanted to do it the other way around. Okay, go ahead. No, that's fine. Do whatever way you want. Uh, it's interesting, right? So we end the third quarter. Uh, we get possession at the, at the end of the third quarter, you know, with about 25 seconds left. Uh, end up going seven plays, 57 yards, uh, and, and get a touchdown, take about three minutes off the clock uh, to start the fourth, which that drive includes a, ca- a catch to Harris, a catch to uh, uh, a completed pass to Whitehead, uh, Harris run, Harris run, Harris run. And then uh, a pass to Wally, and then the touchdown to Chris Matthews. So we go up twenty-seven to twenty to start the fourth quarter. Uh, Toronto gets the ball. We force them to punt. We get in. We go incomplete, and then we go a completed pass to Drew Wolitarski, and he gets about eight and a half yards. Um, but we're on our own forty-three yard line, and you know if he gets another half a yard. We're going to go for it on third down, but up seven, uh, backed up. At that point in the game, you know, we decide to punt. I decide I decide to punt. I shouldn't say we. It was my decision. We decide to punt. Uh, they have a, a long drive. 12 almost, plays. almost a six-minute drive. Yep, five and a half minutes. Yep, 12 plays, 64 yards, and then we cause that fumble. We get in, hand the ball to Andrew. We get a only a gain of three. Um, which happens, and uh, throw a pass incomplete. You know, need to need to punt it away, and then don't really get the ball back. Right? So, so after you scored the go-ahead touchdown with the fifty-seven-yard drive, you basically had two offensive possessions. Yeah, we only had f- after that touchdown. We had basically four offensive plays, which was a gain of eight, eight and a half, and a gain of three. Um, so, uh, they drive down and, and score nine plays, 72 yards in fairly short order. And, uh, there you go. We get the ball back with basically 10 seconds left or four seconds left to run one play and it doesn't work out. Okay. The Andrew Harris fumbles. He's fumbled three times. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll have no problem admitting that I am stubborn when it comes to Andrew Harris. He... <laughs> He's caught 37 passes for us, which and uh, the numbers work out that he leads the league in efficiency rating in terms of quarterback to receiver efficiency rating at 127. Um, so he leads the league in that category. He leads the league in rushing. He's got 95 carries for 646 yards. He leads the 
the league in rushing. He leads the league or is tied for the league uh, in rushing average at 6.8 yards a carry. He's got the longest rush of the season at 56. He's got the most 10-plus carries at 20. He's got three fumbles that he's lost. But he's got the most touches in the league once again. The two previous years, he's had basically the most touches. He takes the most hits. He also blocks like a champ, makes people right when they're wrong. And I'll, you know, we'll keep riding Andrew Harris as long as we can. You know, there's no one, no one that can say anything to Andrew Harris that that, that he hasn't already thought about in terms of uh, having better ball security. But you give a guy that many touches, he's going to take that many more hits than most other people. And does he, you know, does he want to sharpen that up? Absolutely. You're not quite ready. To, you're coach. not quite ready to bench him yet. Eh? Oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> our, our coaching <laughs> staff works hard on ball security. We work on it every single day. Just you know, it's 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 got to get better, and it's a process. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's go on to Ed. Uh, my question for the coach: What are you going to do to win Thursday and make me as a 20-year season ticket member happy again? <laughs> I'm very <laughs> upset. What are you going to do, Mike? We're upset to make too. Ed happy. Yeah, we're upset too. Yeah. Uh, well, we have to play better. Have to eliminate the mistakes. We have to play, uh, you know, a physical brand of football. Make sure we're um, present a good game plan to the players, one that they can be successful with. And you know, it's it's interesting, right? It's uh, it's a complete team. We're all in it together. We all share in the responsibility, and we all feel the same pain that uh, that anybody else on the team feels. And I appreciate the 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 fans feeling pain too, and it's it's tough to take. Those you know we don't feel we should have lost those games. Uh, here's a question from David Mike. Why does the team lack that killer mentality and allow teams to get back into games? And then he's got a second part. Do you really think Bo Levi will start? I don't know where he gets the idea that Bo Levi will start because we're told he won't. But anyway. The, the killer mentality, I've heard this a lot since the game in Toronto. Uh, whenever a team, I guess, loses a big lead and you wonder about their killer mentality, do you wonder about that? I'm not so much looking for a killer mentality. I'm looking for that consistent high level of, of uh, execution and physicality for an entire game. I'd like it to look the same. Um, at a very high level, but I'd like it to look the same from start to finish. You know, the idea of putting up 10 to 15 points a quarter and and forcing two and outs and taking the ball away on a regular basis, which we've taken the ball away a fair bit um, this year, uh, but just that that very high level but consistent play from start to finish where you're not riding these waves of momentum. Mm. That would be way more impressive and I think way more pleasing uh, to myself, the coaching staff, and the players, I'm sure, than, you know, one game having a killer instinct and then the next game not. That would know, that so. could be considered a killer mentality, though. That's it's, what I think it is. Yeah, that's what sure. I th- That's what I believe that should be defined as okay. is such a high level play. I've been on teams where the play was so high, the level of play was was at such a quality throughout the entire game that you there was never pressure. Right? Mm-hmm. So the confounding thing again for the fans, and I know it because I hear from them all the time, is how your team could play at the level they played at to be up twenty to nothing, 
and then have that disappear. Yeah, it's confounding for you. It's I'm sure it's inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, as a as a coach, I've got to figure out how to get that out of them. Yeah. Um, here's one from Ken. Uh, Coach, I just wanted to say that the Bomber fans are 100% behind you. Good luck Thursday. Calgary's here Thursday, of course. And by the way, uh, Bolivar Mitchell did practice today with the Stampeders, but all the first-team reps went to Nick Arbuckle, so he's expected to play and be their starter on Thursday. Um, Coach, Toronto challenges and wins a pass interference penalty on our goal line with eight minutes left in the third quarter, but Jeff Jeff Hecht breaks up the pass while it was halfway there, still in the air, doesn't that deflection make it an uncatchable pass? How could they win that challenge even if their receiver was held? Yeah, the receiver was held before mm. the pass was broken up, so you're, they're making you have to make an assumption that he wasn't going to adjust uh, his angle to the ball, like or wouldn't have got there before Jeff Hecht would have got there. So I, you know what, you can ask me this question again in a week after I get an answer back because I've asked the same question to the to the league. I I can see where this one um, this one would never change from you know when I picture it, it wouldn't change. But what would that parameter be if if the pass is broken up five yards ahead of them? You know, so I I can see that if if the receiver wasn't held, possibly maybe Jeff breaks up the pass right at the goal line or Jeff runs into him a little soon and he gets the PI, but it wasn't that. Yeah. So it's, that's an interesting question. One that I've tried to uh, quantify myself. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the last segment of the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea brought to you by, in part by Bear Crop Science, Science for a Better Life. Bombers in Calgary, great matchup. Five and two teams on Thursday at 7.30 at IG Field. Uh, here's one from Holly. Does a loss like the one in Toronto damage your team's psyche, or do you just move on saying it was one of those days? Uh, well, we don't say it was one of those days. I mean, that's something that's interesting because a long time ago when I played and we were part of a, uh, a loss that was... Uh, maybe a little more lopsided. The coaches say, oh, we're burning the film. You know, we're not even going to watch it. Well, we we don't ever subscribe to that. We go through things and and coach and make sure the players are seeing uh, areas where they can improve and and make sure they're, they're understanding exactly why we want to do things and, and examining the way we're coaching, um, the way we're presenting information and, and making sure that we're doing that right so that the players can understand because players don't want to do anything wrong. They want to get out there and, and do their best and uh, play at a high level and be successful, you know, personally and, and for the team. So, um, you know, we have to re-examine how we're doing things uh, in terms of, you know, when we review a game and, and make sure they're not, the mistakes that are cropping up aren't, you know, stuff that's being repeated. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's part of the process. I don't think it damages their psyche. I think they are a confident bunch that know that, uh, you know, when they play good football and and execute and and play at a, a high level of play with a high level of physicality and and great effort, then good things happen. Here's one, uh, Mike. Can you please talk about the inconsistency of Matt Nichols' play? I really like the guy, but he's off and on. Your take on that, Coach O'Shea? Ooh, I don't know that he's off and on. Um, 
you know, I think in the Hamilton game, there'd be a couple of plays that he'd like to have back. But, uh, you know, as we talked about in, in the Toronto game, there was far too many mistakes for us to us to think we were going to win the game, <laughs> you know, after we, after we looked at it. So we had some opportunities and, and when we had opportunities, uh, sometimes, um, you know, there was various breakdowns and, and it took away those opportunities. Um, Toronto, give Toronto credit, you know, they're a part of making sure that those breakdowns happen. Uh, so, but when you look at it, why, you know, when we look at it, we believe there was opportunities there. It always falls on the quarterback, though. Here's another text. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to target Matt Nichols. There were a lot of mistakes in the game, but the leader should stand up and get her done. Now, people view quarterbacks that way, but if there's a, a breakdown in the blocking assignment, a receiver runs a wrong route, the people don't know that or see that, and it can make the quarterback look bad. I yeah, mean, it's all they, part of the deal, right? Yeah, just we've talked about this years ago with, with sacks. You know, there's when there's 12 guys on the field offensively, there there's always reasons why a sack happens and and you know fortunately this year we're not giving up a lot of sacks but it's the same sort of deal there's anytime a play breaks down there's generally you know numerous reasons why that could happen and you know I, I agree the quarterback you know it's a that's a tough gig because they they uh, they get paid the most. They take a a, the most is a large brunt uh, of the you know they they do shoulder the burden. Goes with the territory. It has to, doesn't it? Well, I guess it does, but yeah. um, not always fair. No, no, no. Yeah. But I think they know that going in too. Sure. Yeah. Matt Nichols has had a has an has had an awesome record for us um, since being here. He's led us to a whole pile of victories. So. Uh, I like them. Uh, here's one from Gary. Hey, Knuckles, don't listen to some sour writer fan. Thanks, Gary. I needed some encouragement. Uh, question for Mike. Are some of the mistakes that take place uh, happen when you get injuries and different guys are playing that throws off rhythm? And then he says, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Be great in November. The injuries, and you've had some key ones. Darvin Adams, uh, Jeff Coat left the game the other night. Brandon Alexander, one of your leaders on defense. You haven't had Pat Newfeld all year long, and I, I know you don't complain and cry about injuries, but um, how much of an impact is the loss of those players have? You know, I guess it's I, all those guys are, are obviously extremely valuable, but we've always talked about how much we like our depth and how the guys are playing, um, and and. I do believe that the guys that step up uh, and and get to play, get that opportunity, um, you know, as time goes on, they really take it as making sure they're going to honor their teammates with their level of play and level of pre preparation that goes into play. And the guys that aren't playing are helping the younger guys prepare because they still want to win. And and there is a fair amount of optimism in terms of that because, you know, when when guys come back, it it means your depth is that much more experienced and you know that... As you go deeper into the season, uh, you're still going to be able to win a bunch of games because these guys will be good football players with, with uh, you know, a, a great number of experiences under their belt. Do you have a timeline on Jeff Coat, Alexander, and Darvin Adams at all when they might be back? No, I, I don't, Bob. But there's once again, this is part of the season. Every team goes through it. You look across the board. There's teams with long lists of guys that aren't playing for them. 
Here's one from Gloria. Uh, the hitch screen play should be ripped out of all playbooks, burned and blasted into outer space. What's the point of changing the rule next year to force teams to dress only two quarterbacks? Oh, and I, so there's two questions. He doesn't like the, the hitch screen. You like hitch screens, Bob, don't I you? Do. Yeah, you do I do. You do like, like hitch them. screens. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'll let you answer screen. that one. Well, no, <laughs> no, Gloria, I think it's got to stay in. And now, what's the point of changing the rule next year to force teams to dress only two quarterbacks? I wasn't aware of that rule. Yeah, it's coming in next year, so yeah. we can we want to talk about that next year. Okay. Yeah. So you can only dress two quarterbacks next year. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have, nor am I worried about all the parameters around that uh, just yet. That'll go into some planning that we have um, further down the road. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how that's going to work, or or necessarily the reasoning behind it yet. Here's uh, one about Andrew Harris. Is the guy nuts? This is the guy who called earlier and said. He's concerned about Andrew Harris. Harris handles the ball more than the center. <laughs> it seems most nights. That's a bit of a, a bit of a reach, I think. But yeah, that's a funny. A that's a, that's I like that. That's that's got yeah. some humor to it. All right, so we got about a minute and a half left. Uh, just uh, some thoughts on Calgary. They come in here at five and two, same record as you, Mike. Uh, they don't have Bo Levi, but once again, uh, the Stampeders have found a way to be a, a good, solid football team despite injuries and losing a lot of key players. Yeah. You know, you have to tip your hat to them, don't you? Any given night, any team, and they, you know, can can win a game. And um, this is going to be a tough contest. Their defense is 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 playing well. Their special teams has been responsible for for I would think a couple wins uh, this season for them. They've given them good field position. Uh, their quarterback is obviously working their system uh, well, and they've got they've got a lot of depth and a lot of talent on the field. So it's uh, Calgary's always tough. They're they seem to always field a good team, and they're going to be competitive. That's for sure. So, this is uh, it. Should be a fun game. Yeah. You said earlier today, though, and I found it interesting. This game won't define either team's season. This is game eight of eighteen. Yeah, game eight. I mean, I'm sure Dave would have the same answer. Is you know, whatever the outcome of this game is, it's it's not going to determine. Uh, you know the the um, quality of your season, right? This is one game. Happens to be week eight. You know, and both teams want to win, and it's going to be should be a good battle. 